Luke 24, starting in verse 50. So the very end of the gospel of Luke. I want to read it and then pray over the word as we receive it today. It says there, Luke 24 and verse 50. Then Jesus led them out to the vicinity of Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was carried up into heaven. After worshiping him, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple praising God. Let's pray. Father, we pray that as we open your word today, you open our eyes to the wonders of it. Teach us more about you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you interpret it into every heart as each one of us have need to hear from you today. I thank you that you teach us and that you build us up in Jesus name. Amen. So again, this is the last one in the book of Luke. Obviously, it's the last few verses. This this sermon isn't going to be here. Do this. Don't do this type of sermon, right? It's not going to be a five steps to, to this. Those have their place and they can be helpful. Uh, but, but with this, what we're going to talk about today, this is something for you to know. This is something for you to experience in the scripture that you know and understand, something that you can hold to and something that's foundational to our faith when we think about God. You know, we, we say it all the time. The most important thing about you is what comes to your mind when you think about God. Are you thinking about him rightly? Is that thought pattern that comes up when you think about him? Is it robust? Is it true? Is it helpful for you? And where is it based in? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. You remember last week, Jesus told the disciples when he appeared to them after the resurrection, he told them, you will be my witnesses. You're going to proclaim a message of repentance for forgiveness of sins in my name, first here in Jerusalem and then to all of the earth. And then he says he takes them outside of town to the vicinity of Bethany. He lifts up his hands and he, he blesses them. And as he was doing that, he left them and was carried to heaven. So we're going to talk today about the ascension of Christ. Some have even called it the forgotten work or the forgotten act of Christ just because we don't talk about it a whole lot, right? But without this act of Christ, the book of Acts, which follows up after Luke, would have never happened and never taken place. The ascension of Christ was a bigger focus for the early church. They talked about it a lot more. It was even, you know, if any of you have ever recited the Apostles' Creed, you find it there in the Creed, right? He ascended to heaven where he was seated at the right hand of God the Father from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. So it was in the Creeds, we even have an Ascension Day on our calendars. In the church calendar, there's an Ascension Day. Anybody know when that is? Right. See, that's my point. It's coming up. It's May 13th. So you can mark your calendar and, and think on this on May 13th. But, but you can kind of see it fading in our and what we want to do today is just bring it into focus because it is an important part of our daily life in Christ. And it's critical. And I'll show you how to our eternal hope in Christ. So we want to focus this morning on three questions. Jesus ascended. He left. You read it there. Where did he go? Why did he leave? And what's he doing now? 
Where did he go? Why did he leave? And what's he doing now? It says there in verse 52 that they worshiped him at the ascension. So that's what we're going to do the same thing today. We're going to worship over the ascension. Where did he go? Our first question. It says he was blessing them. We've been in this little posture right here. It was the uh, priestly posture of blessing. We don't even have the blessing recorded, what he said, right? But he lifted out his hands and he was blessing them. And then it said he was taken up. He ascended in the book. Of, I, forgive me if I also quote part of this from Acts because I was reading both of them as I was studying this. It says he ascended in the clouds and he was carried up to heaven. So what they saw, what they witnessed was Christ's personal ascension into glory. Remember, he was crucified, dead and buried. He defeated sin, death, hell, Satan, the grave, rose victorious. And now he is ascending to the throne room of God, the father who's sovereign over all things to be seated at his right hand. Now, they had in their mind, and we've been seeing that as we go through this on Wednesday night, they had in their mind that Jesus would ascend to a throne, but they were picturing it as being a throne in Jerusalem, that he would be king of the Jews, that he would rule from there, and that they would be part of that rulership. They had on their mind an ascension. And even if you go and read in the book of Acts in chapter one, before the ascension recorded there, they said, Lord, is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel at this time? They were picturing a palace of the king in Jerusalem over Israel. But he ascended not to a king's court in Jerusalem, but to the to the right hand of God the Father in the courts of heaven. And when you hear that, the, the right hand of God the Father, it's a position of authority. Anytime you were at the right hand of the sovereign, you also had some executive power, right? You would act on their behalf. We even still put people in those places today. If you ever see the president speak to Congress, who's sitting at the right hand of the president? The vice president. Right. Because it's a position of power. It's a position of authority. And Jesus rose to the courts of heaven to sit at the right hand of God, the father. Remember, they, the disciples even thought that was important enough to ask him, who's going to sit at your right hand when you're in your rulership, when you're the king, who's going to sit at your right hand? They understood the power there, but it was more than they could have ever imagined. Because, again, it wasn't in the throne room in Jerusalem. It was in the high courts of heaven. And we saw that. How many of you remember when we talked about why Jesus called himself the son of man? You go through the book of Luke. He refers to himself as the son of man over and over and over. And I took you to the book of Daniel where Daniel was having a prophetic dream. It's wild. You go read it. There's some wild stuff in there. But one of the things he says is that the, the court of heaven was convened and suddenly one like a son of man or like a human was coming in the clouds of heaven, was ascending in the clouds of heaven. And it says he approached the ancient of days, God, the father, he was escorted before him and he was given dominion and glory and a kingdom over every nation and language so that they would serve him. So you see even that 
that similar imagery and the ascension of Jesus and the vision of Daniel that the son of man, a human like us, flesh and bone, would be enthroned in the courts of heaven. Jesus ascended as the champion, the king of glory. It gives us a picture that the cross is empty, the grave is empty, but the throne at the right hand of the Father is filled. Amen. That's going to be important to us, and I'll tell you why in in a few minutes. But the throne is filled. He won those victories, and then he went to incorporate a human, one like a son of man, one like you and me, into the divine life and light of God the Father. So God, Jesus, the God-man, the incarnate Messiah, after his ascension, was enjoying perfect fellowship within the triune God as a human, as a flesh and bone man, giving us a picture of our future blessed hope. So where did he go? He ascended to glory, to authority, to dominion. One like a son of man ascended before the ancient of days and he was given a kingdom over every nation and tongue. That's where he went. Why did he leave? Why did he leave? We've read about these followers of Jesus, the disciples. Listen, if they needed anything, they needed Jesus. Right? A flawed bunch, just like us. Pretty problematic, made a lot of mistakes, a lot of miscalculations, a lot of misunderstandings. They needed Jesus just like we need Jesus. So why did he leave them? If it was just to be glorified, just to honor what he had done, that would have been proper, right? That would have been understandable. That would have been right because he had done something glorious. He deserves to be glorified. But that's not all. And we hinted at it last week. Why, why would he leave? We hinted at it last week when we talked about he was going to send the spirit to empower his witnesses to go and preach the gospel across the world. The gospel of repentance for the forgiveness of sins in his name. So what you have, why did Jesus leave? Jesus Ascended, Jesus in the heavenly sanctuary, Jesus in the courts of heaven is accessible now to all who invoke him, to all who appeal to him. He's accessible. We talked about it. If he was still here within space and time, he lived in Jerusalem, you'd have to book a trip there to go and see him. And there would be a long wait, right? But in the courts of heaven, he's accessible to all who would appeal to him. And he's powerful to help them no matter where they are or no matter when they are. It's a completion of his work because he was to be our high priest, to be able to represent God to the people. Represent the people before God, the mediator there, our high priest. How can he be that unless he is in that position? A high priest of the whole world all the time. He had to be, he had to be outside of this space in limited time that we know and that we experience. He is the high priest and we'll have more of that here in just a minute. And they had a model for this. They had an understanding for this because they had had high priests 
before, right? Flesh and blood men who represented the people before God. And it, it was a flawed priesthood. You can read through there. Listen, there were some rough stories in there about people that were priests of God doing things that weren't God honoring, right? You've seen a few of those. We see some stinkers even running around today, right? You have that. People that say that they are ministers of Jesus Christ, and yet his name is being blasphemed because of their conduct. We have that. That's what they had. And, and, and I don't say that to throw rocks at anybody. I'm saying it to say we needed a better high priest. What we had wasn't good enough. We're thankful for what we have, but what we had wasn't good enough because even the good ones, even the good high priests who represented the people before God, guess what happened to them? They got old and died. They got old and they died and they had to be replaced. And sometimes they were replaced by a good one, sometimes not a good one. So why did he leave? He left so that he could ascend to his rightful place of that, that, that spiritual omnipresence and be available again to all who would call on him, no matter where they were, no matter where they were, he's available, not limited like we are in this time in space, not limited in his reach, not limited in his response. See, his ascension isn't just a small add-on for us in our Christianity. It's not, it's not a footnote. What would we lose if Christ hadn't ascended? What do we miss out on if that never happened? And what we miss out on is fellowship with God the Father. What we're the most hungry for, the only thing we're truly hungering after, we would be missing out on fellowship with God the Father, which we receive through our high priest, through Jesus Christ, who's representing us to God in the courts of heaven in the very presence of God Almighty. We'd miss out on that. So I want to dig further into that. And that's going to be an answer to our third question. Where did he go? We know that he ascended his glorious ascension. Why did he leave? Because he had to. He said, it's better for you that I go. Why? Because I'm going to be even more available through the power of the spirit working here. This message is going to spread much further, much faster with the way that this is going to happen. So what is he doing now? What's he doing now? He's, high, he's our high priest. What does that mean? What does that mean that he is doing? The reigning Lord, the ascended Savior, intercedes for his people. And that's a, you know, a Bible word. That, that's one we don't use all the time. But he intercedes for his people. And I want to show you what that looks like. Because we, we could talk for weeks about Jesus as our high priest. We could talk for a long time. We may at some point. Who knows? But today, I want you to look with me in the book of Hebrews. And I want you to look at this. I want you to see it. I don't just want to turn there and read it to you. So if you have your Bible, Hebrews chapter 7, if you've got your device and you access your Bible on there, pull it up. I want you to see this. You say, why don't you just put it on the screen? Because you can't take the screen with you when you leave. I want you to see this because I believe this is going to encourage you, not just right now, but this is going to be something you can take with you. Hebrews chapter 7. If you don't know where that is, go to the very end and start flipping back. And you'll be there before very long. Hebrews chapter 7. When we're talking about our high priest, we don't have a perfect understanding of that. But I want you to, I want you to see something in here that I believe is going to bless you. 
Hebrews chapter 7. I'm going to give you just another second to get there because I believe this is, this is really important. Hebrews 7, and I want to read from verse 23. It says, Now many have become Levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. So what I just said, right? There's been a lot of them because they kept dying. There's been a lot of priests because they kept dying. Why? Because they were people, flesh and blood like us. So back here. There, now many have become Levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. But because Jesus remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, whenever you see a therefore, it means because of what I just said. Because he holds that position permanently. Why? Because he ascended. Because he holds that position permanently. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Since he always lives to intercede for them. That's what I want you to see today. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Yours may say to the uttermost. He is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Why? Since he always lives to intercede for them. That word intercede or you read it to make intercession for the people. It means to intervene on behalf of another. To intervene on behalf of someone else. You see somebody else struggling, having a hard time, and you reach in to help. You have interceded. You're intervening in the situation on behalf of another, or you appeal to the authority on the behalf of someone else. And it says he always lives. He lives eternally to intercede on our behalf. And so because of that, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. He's able to see you through completely all the way home. He's able to get you there. Jesus, a human, a son of man in heaven's court, interceding for you, not just praying, not, not, not just speaking prayer like, Father, please don't kill Stephen today. Just give him another chance. You just, I know he's, I know he, yes, I saw what he did. Yes, I saw how he did that. Yeah, he shouldn't have done it that way. Give him another chance. Not, but his very presence in the throne room of God, just being there intercedes on your behalf, intercedes on my behalf because I'm hopeless without it. If he's not doing that for me, I don't get in. If he's not doing that for me, if he's not doing that for you, you don't get in. You have no hope of getting in because we cannot stand in his presence on our own. We're, we're no, no. There's not even almost enough good in us. It's not like we were really close. It's not like he's like, hey, you're almost there. No, the Bible says we were dead in our sins and trespasses. Dead men can do nothing to be alive. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses. I can't stand in God's presence on my own. I'm unworthy. But yet he's there interceding for me who is not there yet. 
And his intercession for me doesn't stop once I get there. Right? His presence in heaven is what gives me any hope of being there. It's what gives me any hope of getting home. He's not just able to save us from stuff down here. He ever lives to make intercession for us and to stand on our behalf. Our hope of getting to go home, be at home with the Lord in right relationship with him and to experience any measure of that relationship here on the earth. He is there, the incarnate one who, who, who died for our sins, rose again to prove that his sacrifice was sufficient and then ascended his very presence in heaven intercedes on your behalf makes you acceptable before God the Father. He intercedes to see you and to see me and all who would come perfected and brought all the way home. The first human in heaven was Jesus. The first one with flesh and bone in heaven is Jesus. But the Bible says that it was so he may be the firstborn of many brethren many brothers and sisters, that he would be the first one there, but he wouldn't be the only one there because him being there intercedes on our behalf. Listen, when you get to heaven, you will be welcomed by a human hand. Flesh and bone hand. That's what's going to welcome you into heaven. It's not going to be Mima or Papaw. They'll be there. You see them later, Right? but it's going to be the hand of Jesus of Nazareth. It's going to have scars in the hand that even the scars, as a song we sang this morning, even the scars intercede for us when he's in heaven's course to say, no, see, Stephen doesn't deserve to be here, but he's one with me. You'll be welcomed into heaven by a human hand, your high priest who's interceding for us even then. Even then, because even then, when I get there, I still don't deserve to be there except in Jesus. My hope is only him, my high priest, who, who has saved me completely and intercedes for me eternally. That's what he's doing now is interceding for you so that when you get there, it's not like people are going to say, finally, Tim's here. We'll class up this joint a little bit, right? No, every time somebody arrives, every time someone enters into his courts, it's all praise to Jesus because he's the only reason that any of us get to go. He's the only reason that any of us get to be there. He is our ascended high priest. When we get there, the one that our heart has known, our eyes will see. The one who by his very presence, exalted and glorified in the courts of heaven, is interceding for us, interceding for me, interceding for you. All who would answer that call of the good news, the repentance for forgiveness of sins that's preached in the name of Jesus, all those who would come, he can receive. The human hand of Jesus will welcome us into everlasting life. Almost makes you want to go right now, doesn't it? Well, I think I could talk a group into going right now. Not in that weird cult way, but if there was like a holy way to do it. 
Why don't we do that? Because he's given us something else to do. He left us something to do. When he left, he left us something to do, right? We talked about that last week. He said, the spirit is going to empower you and you're going to be my witnesses into the uttermost parts of the earth. What he, what, what's he saying? He's like, where I'm going, I can, I, I, can, I, I can receive all that you'll bring me. Every single one that you can call out of the darkness, I can receive into the light. When he left, he left us with something to do. The heartbeat of the church to be his witnesses, to proclaim the good news to the uttermost parts of the earth. To glorify him, reach the lost by preaching the gospel. The ascended Savior empowered his church and delegated them. Go tell them the truth. Go tell them the truth. Bring them the good news and then bring them with you when you come home. I'm going ahead of you so that I can receive you into your heavenly home. Bring as many with you when you come. Amen. Why? Because there's room. He can handle all who come. He's able to save completely all who would come. It's an encouragement to you to go, oh, man, I am just not there yet. I'm still dealing with this. I still have trouble with this. I'm just not feeling like I'm getting this right yet. It's okay. He's able to save you completely. He's able to take you from where you are all the way home. We're not where we once were. We're not yet where we're going to be. We're here in this middle time, which can be conflicting. But always remember, he's able to save completely all those who come to God through him. Through him. Let's read that again in Hebrews. Many have become Levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. But because he remains forever... He holds his priesthood permanently. He's not going anywhere. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede for them. Where did he go? Why did he leave? What's he doing? He's interceding for you. His presence in the court of heaven is interceding for you and for me. One of the things that we've, that, that we've let slip in the church is this focus on the ascension of Christ. The early church would have spent a lot of time, even the, the Jewish culture going way back, would have spent time thinking about the courts of heaven. Would have spent time thinking about God enthroned above all things. And we can continue to focus on that today. But what I, want, what I want you to think on is when you think about heaven, think about the fact that Jesus is there interceding for you on your behalf where you couldn't go without him. He went for you so that you could go be with him. When we think about heaven, which we should, we need to think about Jesus. When we think about Jesus, we need to think about where he is right now, what he's doing right now and what that means for us. Amen. And then finally, that he is able to save completely all those who come to him, no matter where you're coming to him from, no matter what you're coming to him with. He is able to save completely all those who come to him. 
and he's not looking at one going, this is going to take a lot more intercession. I'm going to really need to gear up today. Why? Because we're, we're all confined in that space. There's not any of us righteous without him. No, not one. Amen. God took him who knew no sin. He became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Where? In Christ Jesus. In him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. And then we'll get ready to sing together as we go. Father, thank you for our great high priest. Thank you for the, the visual of Jesus ascended. We know where he went. We know why he left. We know what he's doing now and what that means for us. God, I, I thank you for the encouragement today, the lifeblood verse today that you are able to save completely to the uttermost all of those who come to you. Lord, you're able to take us out of the darkness that we found ourselves in into the very courts of heaven and you sanctify us along the way. You strengthen us along the way. You teach us and train us up along the way. I thank you for your patience and your grace with us as we learn to live in you. Lord, I thank you for the firm confidence that we can have in Christ Jesus to know that it's nothing that we do. It's in what he's already done and that the things that we do now, we do to glorify him, not to please him, not, not to uh, appease him, not, not to work our way in. But what we do now, we do out of an overflow of thankfulness and worship to the one who went in our place to make a place for us. I thank you, Lord, that we'll see those miracles in our own life. You taking us out of darkness and into light, God, but we'll also be your witnesses here on this earth, close by, Lord, and even to the uttermost parts to call in all those who would come to the Savior who is able to save them completely. You are the answer to all of our questions. You are the right satisfaction of all of our desires. You are the one that we seek. And I thank you that you are able to tote us and anybody else we can bring with us. I thank you for your goodness. Lord, as we get ready to go today, protect your people. God, keep us safe. I thank you, Lord, that we leave today in peace and unity together with one another as the worshiping congregation going out into our community. I thank you that as we go through this week, we do it with you in mind. As we go through this week, we tend to our relationship with you. Lord, there is no uh, better breath in our lungs. There is no better sight before our eyes than our relationship with you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you meet us exactly where you told us you'd be. You'll meet us in prayer. You'll meet us in the scripture. You'll meet us in the gathering of the saints as we assemble to worship and seek you together. And I thank you, Lord that light will go out and even the darkness won't even be able to extinguish it. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.